Section 98 of the United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Meg Huskin. The World Story, Volume 13, The United States. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 98. The Battle of Santiago. 1898. From the account of a newspaper correspondent. The following graphic account of this battle was written by a newspaper correspondent who was aboard the American battleship Texas during the encounter. The Editor. Almost before the leading ship was clear of the shadow of Moro Castle, the fight had begun. Admiral Cervera started it by a shell from the Almirante Oquendo, to which he had transferred his flag. It struck none of the American vessels. In a twinkling, the big guns of the Texas belched forth their thunder, which was followed immediately by a heavy fire from our other ships. The Spaniards turned to the westward under full steam, pouring a constant fire on our ships and evidently hoping to get away by their superior speed. The Texas, still heading inshore, kept up a hot exchange of shots with the foremost ships, which gradually drew away to the westward under the shadow of the hills. The third of the Spanish vessels, the Vizcaya, or Infanta Maria Teresa, was caught by the Texas in good fighting range and it was she that engaged the chief attention of the first battleship commissioned in the American Navy. The Texas steamed west with her adversary, and as she could not catch her with speed, she did with her shells. The din of the guns was so terrific that orders had to be yelled close to the messenger's ears and at times the smoke was so thick that absolutely nothing could be seen. Once or twice, the twelve-inch guns in the turrets were swung across the ship and fired. The concussion shook the great vessel, as though she had been struck by a great ball, and everything movable was splintered. The men near the guns were thrown flat on their faces. Meanwhile, the Oregon had come in on the run. She passed the Texas and chased after the Commodore Schley on the Brooklyn to head off the foremost of the Spanish ships. The Iowa also turned her course westward and kept up a hot fire on the running enemy. At ten ten o'clock, the third of the Spanish ships, the one that had been exchanging compliments with the Texas, was seen to be on fire, and a mighty cheer went up from our ships. The Spaniard headed for the shore, and the Texas turned her attention to the one following. The Brooklyn and the Oregon, after a few parting shots, also left her contemptuously and made all steam and shell after the foremost two of the Spanish ships, the Almirante Oquendo and the Cristobal Colon. Just then, the two torpedo boat destroyers Pluton and Ferrer were discovered. They had come out after the cruisers without being seen, 
and were boldly heading west down the coast. All small guns on the torpedo boats, was the order on the Texas, and in an instant a hail of shot was pouring all about them. A six-pounder from the starboard battery of the Texas, under ensign guise, struck the foremost torpedo boat fairly in the boiler. A rending sound was heard above the roar of the battle. A great spout of black smoke shot up from the destroyer, and she was out of commission. The Iowa, which was coming up fast, threw a few complimentary shots at the second torpedo boat destroyer and passed on. The little Gloucester, formerly a yacht, then sailed in and finished the second boat. Gun for gun and shot for shot, the running fight was kept up between the Spanish cruisers and the four American vessels. At 10.30 o'clock, the Infanta Maria Teresa and Vizcaya were almost on the beach and were evidently in distress. As the Texas was firing at them, a white flag was run up on the one nearest her. Cease firing, called Captain Philip, and a moment later both the Spaniards were beached. Clouds of black smoke arose from each, and bright flashes of flame could be seen shining through the smoke. Boats were visible, putting out from the cruisers to the shore. The Iowa waited to see that the two warships were really out of the fight, and it did not take her long to determine that they would never fight again. The Iowa herself had suffered some very hard knocks. The Brooklyn, Oregon, and Texas pushed ahead after the Colon and Almirante Oquendo, which were now running the race of their lives along the coast. At 10.50 o'clock, when Admiral Severa's flagship, the Almirante Oquendo, suddenly headed inshore, she had the Brooklyn and Oregon abeam and the Texas astern. The Brooklyn and Oregon pushed on after the Cristobal Colon, which was making fine time and which looked as if she might escape, leaving the Texas to finish the Almirante Oquendo. This work did not take long. The Spanish ship was already burning. At 11.05 o'clock, down came a yellow and red flag at her stern. Just as the Texas got a beam of her, she was shaken by a mighty explosion. The crew of the Texas started to cheer. Don't cheer. The poor devils are dying, called Captain Philip. And the Texas left the Almirante Oquendo to her fate to join in the chase of the Cristobal Colon. That ship, in desperation, was plowing the waters at a rate that caused the fast Brooklyn trouble. The Oregon made great speed for a battleship, and the Texas made the effort of her life. Never since her trial trip had she made such time. The Brooklyn might have proved a match to the Cristobal Cologne in speed, but she was not supposed to be her match in strength. It would never do to allow even one of the Spanish ships to get away. Straight into the west, the strongest chase of modern times took place. The Brooklyn headed the pursuers. She stood well out from the shore in order to try to cut off the Cristobal Cologne at a point jutting out into the sea far ahead. 
The Oregon kept a middle course, about a mile from the cruiser. The desperate dawn ran close along the shores, and now and then he threw a shell of defiance. The old Texas kept well up in the chase, under the forced draft, for over two hours. The fleet Spaniard led the Americans a merry chase, but she had no chance. The Brooklyn gradually forged ahead so that the escape of the Cristobal Colon was cut off at the point above mentioned. The Oregon was a beam of the Colon then, and the gallant Don gave it up. At one fifteen o'clock, he headed for the shore, and five minutes later down came the Spanish flag. None of our ships was then within a mile of her, but her escape was cut off. The Texas, Oregon, and Brooklyn closed in on her and stopped their engines a few hundred yards away. Commodore Schley left the Brooklyn in a small boat and went aboard the Cristobal Colon and received the surrender. Meantime, the New York, with Admiral Sampson on board, and the Vixen were coming up on the run. Commodore Schley signaled to Admiral Sampson, We have won a great victory. Details will be communicated. Then, for an hour after the surrender, in that little cove under the high hills, was a general Fourth of July celebration, though a little premature. Our ships cheered one another, the captains indulged in compliments through the megaphones, and the Oregon got out its band, and the strains of the star-spangled banner echoed over the lines of the Spaniards, drawn up on the deck of the last of the Spanish fleet, and up over the lofty green-tipped hills of the Cuban mountains. End of section 98. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Meg Huskin.